I want to be, I'm going to talk this morning about rebuild. Rebuild. And, 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 you know, my brain doesn't always, you know, think of things ahead of time. So that's why at the last minute I ask uh, um, Jill to go out and get the block. <laughs> so, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, being you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. You know, there's something about somebody that the heart's broken. There's a sadness. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when, you, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're the rebuilder. Thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes we knock stuff down and we tear stuff up, good stuff that you have given us, God, and sometimes we waste it, God, you come along and you say, I want to rebuild. God, help us this morning to see the power of rebuilding, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, back in... Deuteronomy, the Lord told His people to build Him a place. And they built a city, and they built a temple, and they built walls, and they built a place for the God of heaven. But over the course of time, we know that because of their unfaithfulness, because they decided and they chose to follow after other gods, they chose to worship idols. They chose to act just like the heathens around them. Because of their choices, they were, those walls were torn down and that, that temple was destroyed and their lives were in ruins and they were scattered all around the world because of choices they made. And Nehemiah, as he's, as he's sitting there <coughs> and as they had brought news to him of the ruin of the city, he was sad and his heart was broken because something that God had desired, something that God had built, something that God had poured his, his, his heart into was lying in ruins. Nehemiah was heartbroken. See, I wonder sometimes how heartbroken we are when we look at the sinfulness of those around us. Are we truly saddened and heartbroken? Is our countenance, is our countenance sad? Not, not for any other reason except for the fact that we, there are people around us that are lost and dying and going to hell. Or do we maybe feel like sometimes, maybe some felt, well, they deserve it. Well, they did deserve it. That didn't change the heart of Nehemiah, which was directly attributed to the heart of God over his people and over what he had desired for his people. Nehemiah was 
a captive and yet had attained a level of a level of uh, service to the king where the king actually trusted him. And so in this moment, Nehemiah, as, as he came before the king with a sad countenance, the king recognized something in him. And he recognized that it wasn't just a natural occurrence. He realized that it wasn't just a sickness. But he looked on Nehemiah and he saw that there was a heartbreak in his life. So they have this conversation, and Nehemiah says, Oh, the place where my ancestors lived and were buried is in ruins. Why should I not be sad? And so as we, as we have that conversation with the Lord, and, and, and as we are before Him, does He look down on us? Does He see our sad countenance? And does He realize that we're heartbroken for those around us and the loss and the things that have taken place because of people's own choosing? Because people that we know and we love and we care about have chosen to live a life outside of Christ. Many of those, Lamont, that grew up in church with you and I. Many of those who sat in the same pew and, and sang the same songs and listened to the same preacher. Just like Lamont, you and I did. We made a choice at times in our life to walk away from that. And, and imagine the heartbreak in our, in our parents and, and the heartbreak in our grandparents when they looked at us and they said, Oh my God, would you please reach down into that cold, stony heart? And some, for some it took a long time and some it took a shorter time. But because of that, because of that heart and because of that cry and because of that desire to rebuild something in somebody that God had put there, God began to do a work. And He began to rebuild something. And He began to do something that, that man can't do. Nehemiah says, I, I, I want to go. I want to be a part of the build. Here, here, here's, here's where my mind is at this morning. Because Iverson comes up here and builds a little thing and then all of a sudden it gets torn down, right? And I knew that's what would happen. I knew that there's a builder, and there's a tear down. Some kids, in their mind, all they, all they can think about is putting together and building and stacking. And then the next little kid comes along, and all they can think about is, I want to knock it down. And that's a great lesson for me in life. This morning as I was thinking about this, I was thinking many times we are, are in the process of building and we're trying so hard and then it seems like somebody else, all they care about is tearing down. We see, we see people trying to, trying to, with God's help, trying to build something and, and, and then there's others that they just aren't satisfied with the way it's being built. So they're just going to, well, it's not my way. You used my brick. And they come along and they just want to knock it down. And I see that happen in life. I see that happen in homes. I see that happen in churches. I see that happen in families. I see that happen so often where, where the Lord just wants to build something good and somebody can't be satisfied with that. So, and maybe sometimes it's even in our own selves. We get frustrated because maybe the building isn't going the way we think it should and so we knock it down. But our faithful God, our faithful God, He simply keeps coming along and saying, listen, 
I want to rebuild that. That was precious to me. That was precious to me. It was something that I desired. It was something that I longed for. And I want to rebuild it. You are something that God has longed for and desired. And there are things in your life this morning that maybe He wants to rebuild. And there are so many people that are outside this morning. Outside these walls, yes, but also outside of the the grace of our Lord and Savior because they've put themselves there. And yet He looks at them not with contempt, not with anger, but he looks at them with that same desire. I want to rebuild. I want to build in them something that is good and something that is wonderful and something that is beautiful. He's a rebuilder. But part of the process of rebuilding takes us deciding that we're going to be part of the building process that takes us deciding that I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. You see, I've said this so many times, and I've been in church all my life. It doesn't make me better or worse than anybody. It makes, it's just simply, I'm just simply saying I've seen a lot. And I've seen people that are builders. And I've seen people that just aren't happy unless they're tearing something up in church. There's never a happy moment. There's never a, wow, I love that worship song. It's the five I didn't like. Now, come on. It's that not the, it's not the one sermon that I love, but it's the five that the last five, the pastor priest, I couldn't stand. It's sister so-and-so. Can you believe how, how loud she got this morning? Instead of, man, what the Spirit was moving today. Whew, Sister, sister Glines couldn't stay in her seat. Come on, if you didn't know Sister Glines, you missed something. Because she, she knew how to get excited about the Lord. And, and so many times in churches, not in our church but in churches, in Christian, in the Christian circles, we have too many people that don't want to build anything. They just want to tear stuff up. And I see the Father's heart this morning. He wants to build. He's a builder. He, he, he puts things together that are broken. He, he puts good things in and, and replaces the bad. He's a builder. He wants, things, he wants things to be built and He wants things to grow and He wants things to be nourished instead of torn down. See, there was a lot of opposition when it came to rebuilding the walls after Nehemiah went. It kind of reminds me of the song this morning, Through It All. Nehemiah and his band of builders didn't quit because somebody didn't like what they were building. They didn't quit because they, they had people saying, hey, we're going to destroy you, laugh at you, we're laughing. Oh, that looks silly. I'm going to destroy you. I'm so going to tear you down. You see, I think sometimes we, we get the mindset, well, I'm a, if I built these bricks, blocks up, I could put them up. Somebody's just going to knock them down. I might as well just not even build them. Have you ever thought that way? I have. 
You want to fire me, I guess, if you want to. Let's just be honest. Sometimes the old devil comes in in the flesh and he wants to say, you might as well not even waste your time. You might as well not even get up there and preach this morning because, you know, half of them aren't going to listen and the half that do probably aren't going to like it. You might get one. And and if we're not careful, we we let the old devil come creeping in and discourage us from building something that maybe God had special for somebody this morning. You never know in this place when God wants you to build something, a little encouragement into somebody, and yet many times the thought has come, well, they, I'd probably offend them if I tell them. Probably offend, I won't even go to Sunday school this morning, Debbie. I might offend somebody if I try to encourage them. I might say the wrong thing, so I just keep my mouth shut. Now, if you're going to be critical, that's one thing, but if, you, if you're going to encourage somebody, don't let the devil keep you from doing it. Maybe God wants to use that to build them something in them today. Maybe they came feeling lower than dirt. And they just needed somebody to say, hey man, it's awesome that you're here this morning. I've been praying for you. Don't lie to them, but if you've been praying for them, tell them, I've been praying for you. God laid you on my heart. Too many times it was just like, well, if I I put that up there, it's going to get knocked down. Waste my time. Nehemiah, he had determined that there was something precious that God wanted to build. And it was so precious and so valuable that it didn't matter what Sanballat and Tobias said. It didn't matter the threats that were coming their way. It didn't matter that they were going to, they were being told, well, we're just going to tear it down. We're going to build. Nehemiah 4. 14 through 17. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I'm going to stop there. What the Lord has been laying on my heart and what I shared a little bit this morning. What do we need? We need Him. We, we get so focused on the other things that we need. And we need to draw it back down. And listen, if I focus on Him, I don't have to worry about the other things. I just got to worry about this, and He's going to help me with this. Because if I'm all too busy worried about all this, I don't have time to focus on this. And if I don't get this right, it doesn't matter how much of this I got right. He said, listen, Nehemiah said, listen, remember the Lord. (laughs) Remember what's important. Remember that when we build, we're building for the Lord. It's His purpose. He will take care of it if we remember Him, if we listen to Him, if we follow Him. He will do the rest. Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elu in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. When you build something, 
you labor in vain. But when the Lord builds it, your enemies will have to be afraid. When the Lord builds it, the enemies will be afraid. We serve a builder. The enemy is a destroyer. He is a terror downer. He is Wreck-It Ralph. We serve the builder. The devil can't destroy something so bad that our God can't raise it from the ashes. He's done it time and again. Do you not know somebody that's a Christian that if you looked at them a few years ago, you'd say, no hope for them. We don't serve a God who's a quitter. We don't serve a God who looks at a, a project and says, well, if I just had a little more funds, I'd build that project. If I just had a little more time, I'd build that project. We look at a God who says, oh, I'm able to build. Who's with me? I'm able to do that thing. Who's ready to go? I'm able to win that fight. Who's ready to... Step into the battle. And so what he's looking for, he's looking for you and I to say, I want to be a builder, Lord. I want to be a builder and I want to build the way you want me to build. I want to build the way you lead me. There are always walls that are going to need to be rebuilt. You know, the, when we sometimes we talk about walls in the church, we try to confuse people, I think. Because sometimes walls are bad. And sometimes walls are good, okay? This morning, the walls we're talking about are walls that God's trying to rebuild in people's lives. They're things that God is wanting to do in us and through us and for us. There are always going to be things that need rebuilt. Think about those that you care about. Do they have things in their lives that are broken? If you, know, if you know anybody, you're going to have to say yes. There are things that are broken. And I ask you, in the lives of those people that you care about, are you a builder or are you a tear down? Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Sometimes in our well-meaningness, we're more part of the problem than we are the solution. We have to get the mindset of Christ if we want to be part of the solution. We have to start stop thinking about this, start thinking about that to be part of the solution. We have to start stop walking in the flesh and start walking in the Spirit if we're going to be part of the solution. Many are broken by the the sinful decisions they've made. Some are broken because others have hurt them. Some are broken because of the failures of the past. See, what happens many times to broken people is they lose hope. And if we as Christians aren't bringing them hope, what are we bringing them? They need somebody to bring them hope. We are to be that messenger.
We sang about joy this morning. We as Christians should have the joy of the Lord, and we should be able to take the joy of the Lord, and we should be able to inject that into people's lives to help them see that there is a place they can have joy, and it's in Jesus. Help rebuild those walls. Help rebuild those broken down things. Be part of the solution. All across this country and around the world, churches are being broken. They're being broken by gossip, by backbiting. They're being broken by a watered-down gospel. They're being broken by stubbornness and pride. One of the biggest ways they're being broken is apathy. It's okay. I go to church. It's a good church. I think this is a good church. I go to church. They sing some songs. I sometimes sing. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes they're lame. I listen to the preacher. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Eh, maybe I get something out of it once in a while. But it's okay. And then I go home and whew, don't have to worry about that again until next Sunday. I'm saying, I'm going to say this, and this, this should be the least amount you get in a week of Jesus. Because if this is the only Jesus you're getting all week, you're dependent on somebody else to give it to you. Does that say you shouldn't come? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is if all you get of Jesus is what you get in an hour and a few minutes on a Sunday morning, God help you because you need it. That's just the truth. Shout me down, leave. That's the truth. You need a whole lot more Jesus than what you're going to get here this morning. Apathy. How can we help? Now, there's, there's some things I can do and some things I can't. Josh and Beth, not, they're working today, but Josh and Beth were putting in this new dishwasher. They needed some help. Josh tore some, took a cabinet out, and they called me to come over and run some electrical, and, and I could do that. That's one thing I can do a little bit of. They needed a plumber. No way, not me, dude. But, but there are things that I feel comfortable doing, and there are things that I don't feel comfortable doing. There's all, we all have things that God has used, wants to use us in and gifted us in to be used. And if we don't use them, I could say, well, you know, Josh, yeah, I could run that outlet, but you know, eh, eh. maybe I'll get there someday. He needed it done. Thursday. Friday's too late. But if I, sometimes in our apathetic attitude towards our faith, we need to do something today and we say, oh, I'll, read, I'll, I'll read and pray. Maybe I'll schedule that in Thursday afternoon after whatever else comes up. Huh. Apathy is killing the church because God's people are not being God's people anymore. Our churches are being broken by throwing out the godly principles and replacing them with what feels good and sounds good. And Nehemiah, at the very beginning of the chapter, chapter 1, Now it happened in the month of Shizliv, 
in the twentieth year as I was in Susha, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of the brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there is in the providence who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, I believe the road back to building will always go through the door of seeking God. You can't come into something that needs built without being equipped to build it. I'm only equipped to do certain things in certain areas in certain ways. But God has all the tools necessary to build. But we have to go through the proper channels. Nehemiah heard the news. He had a choice to make. What he chose to do, he didn't just get up and he didn't run out and say, Oh, I'm going to grab my hammer and my chisel and my putty knife and, and my all that. What Nehemiah did is he sat for days. He sat for days fasting and praying. Asking God to lead the building process. Asking God to lead him, how do I even approach the king? How do I get some time off to go build? It all came through the connection with God. We need to mix our compassion with passion. We don't talk near enough about fasting and praying. You start talking about fasting and people get hungry immediately, including myself. You start talking, just like when you start talking about a diet, you just can't hardly stop thinking about Krispy Kreme donuts. Well, that's me. <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts and potato chips. I, somewhere in there I get lost. You start talking about fasting and, and people, you know, you just just does something people. But the act of fasting does something in the spiritual realm. It begins to crush us and it begins to edify God. It begins to say, you know what, it's not, this, what, what I'm doing here is not about what I need, but it's about getting more of you, God. Nehemiah recognized the only way this, this is going to get built is if I, if I get myself before my God. You see, God is calling you. Uh, kind of interesting because um, my wife and I are on our, our way home late last night from Springfield after a very eventful day of loading and unloading and loading and unloading U-Haul. And my wife just turned on Franklin Jensen, Jensen Franklin, and he was talking about a similar thing, and he was talking about we are called. If you're a Christian, you are called to be a minister in some way. 
And I would say this morning that goes right along with this. If you're a Christian, God has called you to build His kingdom. He hasn't picked and chosen His Christians and said, well, you're a builder and you're a builder and you're a destroyer. We choose that. But God is, simply says, if you're one of my children, you're a builder. And you need to start building. And you need to, to begin, you need to come get before me and you need to ask me what it is that you can do to build something in someone's life. <coughs> because there are people that are hurting that are waiting for a Christian, a Christian, to bring something to them that the world can't bring them. There are a lot of philanthropists in the world. They're feeding hungry people. Thank, I'm, I'm glad there are. There are a lot of people helping the poor, and I'm glad there are. But I'll bring you back to this. The first need people have is Jesus. You can meet that need by helping feed them. That's why we as Christians should be, and we are, in the lead. If you look at statistics, the Christian organizations out there are the first to respond to disasters. Convoy of Hope is one of those, but there are other good Christian organizations that they are first on the scene. Why? Because they know it's important to show Christ's love in tangible ways. But if we're just feeding the poor and not bringing them Jesus, we're doing them a disservice. That's why we feed them and we love them and we show them that we care about them so much we're going to feed them, but also we're going to introduce them and give them the opportunity to meet something even greater, someone even greater. We have to do our part. Lives are at stake. Eternity on, is on the line. I, you, know, I, you know, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, but we have to be realistic. Eternity is hanging in the balance. In an instant, Driving down the highway yesterday at almost 75 miles an hour, by her own admission, a woman runs smack dab into the back of a big old U-Haul and really causes me a lot of headache for the next several hours. And my son-in-law, a literal headache for the next several hours. And she walked out of that. Bumps and scratches admittingly going 75 mile an hour down the interstate and didn't see the big U-Haul in front of her when she ran smack dab into the back of it as he was going less than that. In an instant, things can change. Eternity is hanging in the balance for somebody. You don't know who that might be. I don't know who that might be. But are we building? Are we building? I believe that each one of us know people that need us to build in their lives. I believe that this church got us tasked with the responsibility to do everything in our power to build something in people's lives. Every time we come together, every time we minister outside these walls, every time we do a kid's adventure, every time we do anything, it needs to be with the purpose of doing something in somebody's life that will last for eternity, not just today, not just tomorrow. Because eternity is hanging in the balance. Maybe it's you this morning that's here and you say, man, I just got some things that need rebuilt in my life. My faith is shaken. My hope is shaken. My joy is shaken. 
I need to be rebuilt today. Maybe that's you even. You're sitting right here. I believe that the master builder, he's here. Not because I'm here, but because he's here. Don't you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want you to just ask yourself this question. Am I building or am I tearing down? Am I helping to build this church or am I trying to tear it down? Am I helping to build faith in my family or am I tearing it down? Am I helping to build faith in the people who I meet on a daily basis or am I tearing it down? I want you to have that serious conversation with yourself and with God. Because I can't answer that question. I see you on Sunday for a little bit of time, and I, I just I just want to love on you, and I, I want to be thankful that you're here. But where is your life when you walk out of these walls? The other thing I want you to think about this morning, are you here this morning, and you came in feeling like you were just completely tore apart? Pieces scattered all over the ground. And I want you to know that he is here to begin that rebuilding process in your life. Think about that. Lord, this morning in these next few moments, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would do, would do what I can't do, what no one else in here can do, and that is to help us to see our need of you. Whatever that need might be this morning and whatever shape that might take this morning, help us, Lord, to see our need for you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I want you to just be honest before, before God. If you're, if, you're, if you're here this morning, you can honestly say, man, I, I have done some really negative things that have not been helpful in the building of the kingdom but this morning i recognize that and i want god to help me to to turn from that and to restore those things i want you to raise your hand i want to pray with you this morning would there be some this is a bold this is bold this ain't no wimpy stuff here yes i see those hands thank you for your honesty before god remember he wants to build in you today you're here this morning and you're just going to be honest again and say pastor i am i am broke i've got fragments laying all over i need i i want i want to put back that's you this morning i want you to raise your hand i want to pray with you as well today who would say pastor yes i see that hand thank you anyone else this morning that would say pastor i just i'm i'm busted Lord, this morning, your word is pretty clear that our, our response to you is so important. And God, we've had those this morning that have responded to you. So Lord God, I pray for those who have admitted, God, you are so excited this morning that we are willing to admit that we sometimes are part of the problem. And God, this morning, we just confess that we ask God, forgive us for that and help us, Lord, to be part of the build. We want to we wanna be part of the build. We want to see the concrete and we want to see the brick and, and we want to see the walls 
and we want to see the fruit, Lord God. Help us today to, to do whatever it takes, Lord, to rebuild those things. Give us wisdom and direction so that we can be part of the solution. God, we've repented. And so now, God, we are moving forward. We're not going to look back at the mistake, but we're moving forward to the build. Lord God, for those in here this morning that might, that do just feel broken. God, I, I want you to remind them today that your hand is on them and that in every area where they will allow, you will build something special. You will build something wonderful. You will build something precious because they are precious in your sight. Lord God, may this be a week where you put people in our lives that we can help build them. God, give us divine appointments this week where we can speak into somebody's life hope, peace, joy, whatever they need, God. Put us in their path this week and give us wisdom and discernment and direction that we will follow you. Lord, I thank you for that today. I pray you would go with us as we go. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Go home, get your shovels out, your sleds out.